principles of practice in the 21. KBU, TLC, make it learn and fun. Vision 2023 is our vision. Be on the chalkboard, making tech a mission. Moodle and Kalachura working while you type. Using tech to change your world is more profound than hype. Expand the learner's mind until the future gives us power. Learn how people use that tech, I'll show you in an hour. Be on the chalkboard, moving towards a better way to teach you learn to be. Be on the chalkboard, moving towards a better world. The stars of the TLC. University, teaching and learning yeah. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Chalkboard Season 3. I am joined today by two of my colleagues at KPU, uh, Lee Bevington and Erica Belcombe. Would you guys like to say hello? Hello. Hey, everybody. All right. So um, did you each want to just very quickly introduce yourselves and talk about which department you work in and what you teach and what your background is in? Uh, my name is Erica Balcom, and I teach at the Wilson School of Design in the Interior Design Department. Uh, I'm also currently a PhD candidate at UBC, where I'm studying design anthropology. And specifically, my interests are in museum space and exhibition. Hey everybody, my name is Lee Bevington. Uh, I teach mostly in the Faculty of Science and Horticulture as a lab instructor at Kwatlin. I'm also a learning strategist. I've taught in the Faculty of Arts, um, also the Amazon Field School, and I'm currently a doctoral candidate as SFU uh, in philosophy of education with a focus on uh, environmental education. So there we go. Okay, well, welcome, you two. Um, you're about to be famous, so get ready for some serious fan mail. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm super excited about this interview because we're talking about interdisciplinary collaboration or interdepartmental collaboration. We're talking about art, and it's one of my favorite things to talk about. So the first thing that I wanted to do is get each of you to briefly describe your project like an elevator pitch. So Lee, why don't you go first? Give me the elevator pitch for the project that we're going to talk about today. Okay, so the Ecology and Color at One Metered Squared study is a collaboration between science and art. It involves myself, Amy Hustis in Fine Arts, and Carson Kiefer in Biology. And the premise is simple. Students are asked to find a one square kilometer place somewhere in their local environment, park, university campus in their in their backyard the science students focus on ecology and the fine art students focus on color theory now what was amazing is that from the simple idea um, profound things were happening many students reported um, increased health and wellness um, deepened their learning and their motivation for learning and uh, built a connection to community which is so important right now and at least one student reported that the experience was transformative for them. And when that happens, you sort of sit up and take notice. Wow, that's really good. I'd love to take that class. And how about you, Erica? Well, this is um, a side project. It's not part of a class discreetly. But what I'm developing is um, it's called Viral Design. And it's a, essentially it's a curated digital showcase of student work from across our seven design disciplines at the Wilson School of Design. So the exhibit is uh, intended to address um, the reality of living amid COVID. I know we all have COVID fatigue at this moment, but I think it's this historic moment that warrants contemplation, reflection, and to some degree action. Um, so 
we're looking the exhibit will look at the challenges of designing for a post uh, for a post pandemic world but also some of the realities of living amid, amidst it so um, the idea with the exhibit it's really offering insight into the minds of our creative problem solvers our future designers and uh, what they're thinking and what's going through their minds and how they're confronting this wicked problem that's a term that we use in design for these um, sort of uh, amorphous large problems ill-defined and um, what a new normal might look like so this idea of um, an ex exhibition uh, offers a place for students for speculation imagination and sort of thoughtful insights supported by real-time research such a great project and so timely too um, well Erica maybe I'll ask you first what inspired you to choose an interdepartmental approach because of course it's so much more complicated when you involve other departments so wh why was this your choice well there's there's a couple reasons um firstly um our wilson school of design is you know we've always looked for ways to do um, interdisciplinary transdisciplinary multidisciplinary work but um always had a hard time trying to operationalize that so you know we work in our individual disciplines but trying the logistics of trying to incorporate group projects using other departments within design logistically it's really difficult um, timing of it um, is it also uh, the suitability of the project ideas they might be not the greatest ones to collaborate on because they may be more dependent on maybe the graphic department they they may get used a little <laughs> you know because everyone needs that kind of work but so trying to make it equitable in terms of input and also uh, the benefit of a collaborative project so in terms of that and then also curriculum restraints and all those things that we have to deal with logistically as as educators so um trying to do a project outside of schoolwork outside of the curriculum is an opportunity and that um so so in terms of trying to just find an opportunity to have this sort of collaborative project using other departments within the design school so this was one way to do that and so i don't know how well it's going to work because it's not happened yet but i'm hoping for the best great yeah and you were the recipient of a um teaching uh a, TL, a TLFI, a TLIF, Teaching Learning yeah. Innovation Fund. Yeah, and you know, people like ideas, they're, they're all over the place. It's just operationalizing those ideas, as I find, is a really, is a big step. So my dean, is uh, Andra Goundry, is quite supportive of new ideas, and especially when it comes to trying to bring the departments together and do something multidisciplinary. Um, so she you know, alerted me to the Teaching and Learning Innovation Fund, which is super accessible, very easily applied for. They gave me way more money than I asked for, so it was great. And it's really, I, I'm not saying that, I think offering uh, educators funding to do this um, lights a fire, you know? It's like, oh, it's valued, they want this. It's, it, it's something that's worthwhile to do. And it also helps to, bring it to from idea to operate operationalization because then you can hire students to help you with it and then students also get learning benefit from the project 
Yeah, well, it creates experiential learning opportunities for students, which leads to transformational experiences, which leads to possible, you know, career paths and vocations after they leave. So it, it's it's so important to be able to have the support financially to innovate in a university. So yeah, I'm I'm so pleased that you were the recipient of of that uh, innovation fund. Thank you. Yeah, and I think it just it it enables um, the idea to get off the ground. Otherwise. Um, yeah, not having, I think you just need help with it. That That's really what it is. Like people have great ideas all the time. It's just, you need help with it. And it's finding people who want to help and want to be involved to me. I mean, we'll talk about challenges later, but yeah. Huh. And how about you, Lee? What, what inspired you to choose an interdepartmental approach? So I'm a scientist, but I'm also an artist. Uh, so science fills my in, insatiable curiosity to figure out, you know, the, how the world works and the wonders of the world and all the threads of connection therein. And for me, art allows me to experience the world in a different way, to consider other perspectives, and maybe propose different ways of thinking and being in the world. Um, and so I think it's very powerful to bring these two disciplines together. In fact, at Kwatlin, in the Spruce building, um, you've got the science labs, and then you've got the fine arts on the Surrey campus, so just kitty corner, right? But they sort of, there's this rarely sort of this cross-pollination, you know, rarely do the science students go over here and the fine arts students there. So it's like, well, why don't we do this in this collaboration? So Amy Hustis and I got together to talk about this and, uh, and what could we do where we could have both sets of students doing the same thing, but with a different focus. And one of the great things was is each student know, knew that the, you know, the fine arts students knew the ecology students were doing a similar thing and vice versa. And then at the end of the of the of this project or this study, the students actually got together in a joint session to share and celebrate their work. Uh, in in science classes, often the last thing students do is a final exam, and then what they're celebrating is it's over, right? I've got it done, right? Um, I remember that as a, you know, going back as an undergrad student myself. But in this case, we actually got together and shared work, celebrated the work, and it was very powerful sharing. And um, one thing that happened is the fine arts students actually asked the science students some questions about their spot, their place that they kept going to repeatedly over four to five weeks, where they really deepened their connection to this place, where the place became the teacher in a way. And then the science students were able to actually answer the questions. So it was this, um, these two classes coming together um, and sharing sort of the strengths of each and also offering something new that maybe hadn't happened before. Um, so I'm really excited about those kind of cross-pollinations. It just sound they both sound like such incredible projects. KPU is, uh, you know, it's better for it, really. Be on the chalk. Be on the chalkboard. Is your desktop a cluttered mess? Are you looking for TNL resources but don't know where to look? Well, look no further because Freshdesk has arrived. Freshdesk is the platform that hosts the Teaching and Learning Commons resource knowledge base. It includes teaching and learning resources, webinars, articles, quick start guides, videos, and other tools to support your training practices. Search for specific items or browse around for information. Do you have a resource that you would like to see added? Email us at tlcommons at kpu.ca. We value your feedback and welcome any comments you may have to help improve our knowledge database. That's tlcommons.kpu.ca.
All right, and we're back. So Lee, I wanted to ask you, how did this approach in your, in your project bring value to you as an educator? Okay, so this project came about right after COVID-19 had, had struck and everything was shut down and everything went remote. And so we only actually had four or five weeks, um, a handful of weeks to actually get this up and running. Amy Hustis and I had wanted to collaborate for a long time. So we also brought Carson Kiefer on board. And what it did is suddenly I had to reevaluate what really matters in teaching and learning, right? We have grades, we got assessments, we got tests, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when I, ha when I sat down and thought about it, I was like, all right, for me, I think at the top of the list is the learner experience. What is the experience of the student? And how can we design something that works now, given this situation, right, that we're in? Um, second is inquiry-based learning. So this was an inquiry-based project for students, meaning that they, they chose what they were going to focus on um, for what they submitted and what they studied and what they researched, etc. Um, now, this can be, bring some uncertainty up for both students because they're like, what do you mean I have to decide? I have to decide what I'm going to do. And it can bring uncertainty for instructors because you get potentially more things potentially coming your way to review and assess. Um, but there's ways both for instructors, I think, to, to, make, to give containers where it won't be too overwhelming. And I also think it's really important for students to have that ability to critically think what do they want to do? Because life doesn't come with a list of like, well, just follow these steps and you'll be fine in life. <laughs> you you got to figure it out. <laughs> And then what ultimately happens is it becomes really rewarding. So you wade through some of that uncertainty and figuring things out. And then it's like, well, okay, um, this is, now this is something I chose. It therefore holds more meaning for me. My motivation to learn is higher. Um, and the engagement becomes a lot higher as well. And this then connects back to the learner experience, right? Something that's more meaningful and connected to who they are and what they're passionate about. That's a great answer, Lee. And what about you, Erica? How did this bring value to you as an educator and, and to your students? Well, I guess there's a pragmatic angle to it. So for me as an educator, it was an opportunity to learn about some of the KPU systems and some of the resources that are available to instructors there. So, you know, being engaged with the teaching and learning innovation Fund, that was certainly eye-opening for me and that opened the door to understanding more funding opportunities and I'll just mention one of them now but it's it's called Level Up and it's through RIPEN, R-I-I-P-E-N, so it's government funded but you can hire students and uh, the government or this RIPEN Level Up will pay for their wages. Anyways, we can talk about that later but it's just opening my eyes to what's available and readily available and encouraged um, through the school. So that, that was one pragmatic reason. Uh, and that led to sort of being able to find there for not just opportunities for me, but opportunities for me to engage with other students so that they can, um, you know, have more real world experience, if you will, uh, or, um, and for me also being able to workshop an idea. So I had this idea and it was like, I don't know if it's going to work. How can I try it out? So this was an, a way to sort of workshop this idea and seeing what other student projects or opportunities might come of it. It was another, it also was another opportunity for me to um, be involved in a creative project. Because, um, you know, as educators, we get really steeped in our work with students and, you know, um, dealing with their creative projects. But for us to be involved in a creative project and keep our own skills sharp, I think it's really important. 
So it's wonderful to be able to do that through the school and not have to seek uh, opportunities outside of Kwantlen. And then um, I guess in a larger scheme, this is a chance to create an exhibit space for the Wilson School of Design to, uh, as a place to share or connect with others um, on, a, on a different level. And um, my own research at UBC really looks at um, design anthropology and um, this, this potential of exhibit space for like connecting different publics. So for me, it's also selfishly uh, feeds some of my own uh, knowledge on um, how these things might work practically. Uh, and as for the students, um, that part I, it remains to be seen. But um, one thing that I think is maybe different than coursework is this is, again, outside coursework. And some of it will be paid. So some student uh, assistants will be paid to help out with the project. And uh, yeah, and the, and the TLIF encouraged me to pay the students more. So that was great as well. Um, so it would be, um, so for a select number of students, there'll be sort of an educational opportunity there. But in the long term, what I hope to see is that with student contributors to either this um, version, viral design, or in future exhibits um, in years to come, it will be a, a place for them to speculate, a place to imagine, a place to uh, consider the possibilities uh, for future and to exhibit that in a way that will garner critique from a larger public than just industry experts or their peers or their instructors. So maybe opening up a larger audience for them. It's such a great idea. And I remember when I was a, a fine arts undergraduate student, some of the most important experiences I had were getting involved in projects outside of class. Uh, I mean, that's how I learned how to compose for, for uh, choreographers. There, there wasn't really a course or a program that taught us how to do that as composers. Same with filmmakers. I, I just connected with, with filmmakers in the fine arts department who were looking for sound design or music, and we just got involved in each other's work and we created these networks that after we all came back and did our master's degrees or whatever, we would find each other in the city and, you know, a dancer would say, I, you know, I, I got a show. It's, it's called 12 Minutes Max or Dances for a Small Stage. And I need a composer and I have no money. And I'd be like, well, I have no gigs and no career. So let's, you know, we would all go and work together. But it was because of those extracurricular activities that we were able to kind of find our own voice outside of the context of the curriculum, which is often prescribed for us. And that was how we sort of forged forward into careers outside of our undergraduate degrees. So, you know, I think you're probably doing something very similar. You just don't know it yet, or maybe you do. And it's, it's going to be great. And also, you're giving a student a job. And, uh, and, and a decent paying job to do something in their field, which is really, really great. I mean, there's the experiential learning right there, right? So. Hey Gordon, can I say something more? Yeah, absolutely. Sweet, just about the student's learning experience. So in the ecology and color one meter squared study, um, one thing I noticed from doing it last summer was there was zero plagiarism. Uh, and there was lots of opportunity potentially for plagiarism. There was zero plagiarism across the board and for all the things students had to hand in because there was a number of formative things they had it in um, over the four to five weeks that I would review or assess and give feedback on, every student did every single thing they were asked to do. So this is rare to have zero plagiarism 
and students do every part of an assignment or, or a larger project. Um, and I think a big part of this is that they really got connected to the place. They got connected to the community, whether it was sort of human or the larger biotic community that they were in. Um, they would see the squirrel, you know, on the fence twitching her tail, or they saw they were with the dandelion, and then the next day it got mowed down by the lawnmower, and then, then the two days after that they would watch it grow back. So they really had, like, in some cases, a direct physical connection with what they were learning. And I think, especially right now with everything being remote, it's pretty rare. A lot of things are through the screen, but I think that direct engagement and immersion and sort of reflective learning that they were doing, contemplative learning, helped deepen their connection and therefore their engagement with what they were doing. Well, yeah, and I think what, um, you know, what's so great about what you did, Lee, is that COVID came and, and it could have been an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to, to be intimidated about how am I going to teach now, but a good artist always sees um, uh, confinement as an opportunity to do something different. And I mean, I'm famous for never teaching the same course the same way twice, right? Like I'm, I'm always shifting based on who the students are and what their background is and, you know, and whether there's a, a pandemic <laughs> or whatever. And what you did is you created something that was so specific to the moment and you gave those students an opportunity to leave their computers and go outside and they got engaged and they got invested and that's transformative education at its best and when the students are invested in what they're doing they're going to bring their own life experience and their own interests to it and their own world to it and and that's when truly transformative things happen so you know there's the evidence is no plagiarism and everybody did everything they were supposed to do and you know that's that's the proof that what you created was a really engaging program and that's uh, that's excellent teaching that's awesome to hear gordon i love hearing that you don't teach the same course twice because I, I every time i teach something whether it's the same thing or even the same course or lab in this, within the same semester, I try to do something different each time because it, it excites me as an educator. And I think then students also sense that excitement as well. They sure do. Yeah. I mean, I, I like make up songs and sing them to my students and like I do all sorts of crazy stuff in my class and they love it. But alas, and now a message from our sponsors. Do you need to connect with someone in the teaching and learning commons? Maybe you want to check out upcoming workshops or register for events and programs. Are you on the search for the multi-dimensional fresh desk or seeking out the internationally renowned blog site? Then look no further and go to kpu.ca forward slash tlcommons and you'll be interwebbed directly to the KPU teaching and learning website. Your one-stop shop for all of your teaching and learning needs. That's kpu.ca forward slash tlcommons. Again, that's kpu.ca forward slash tlcommons. Okay, we're back. So what I wanted to ask you guys last uh, is sort of some of the challenges you encountered, how they were, were resolved, and if there's anything that you would do differently. So Erica, why don't I start with you? Well, as I mentioned before, I think because it's in progress, I am encountering some challenges right now. I think in the very beginning, 
part, the the ideation part, um, the concept, that that came really easy, and that's the fun part. And then because the getting the funding also was very easy, it was like, oh great, there's no problems. Why didn't I do this before? But where I'm finding myself um, struggling right now is actually make jumping from the idea to implementation. So um, that's for a number of reasons. Um, one could just be, you know, at the time of the year and I'm teaching and, you know, it's just really busy and as are others. So coordinating in that sense, trying to find time is is a challenge. Um, it's also finding the right people for me right now because the idea is to hire two students, but finding students who have the skills that I require um, on the project and who also want to spend time, want to learn. So it's really finding those right people and what are the channels. And as you mentioned, Gordon, about like screen fatigue and message fatigue. I mean, we get tons of emails. There's lots of blasts on like social media. So it's like, how do you stand out from all that? Like this is an urgent need and this is a great opportunity, but you know, it just, you're just flooded with this, this messaging uh, when you're on your screen. So I think it's being heard and trying to be strategic in how the call gets put out, not just for um, student helpers, like the student assistants, but also just for submissions to the exhibit in general, because students tend to, you know, blank that out, ah, more work, but it's intended to be something that's already created. So there's going to be some uh, logistics in, you know, getting the materials and that that requires other people's energy as well. So for me, knowing that I'm not by myself on the project is is a great thing and, and a a dangerous thing too because you really are relying on other people and their time so for me i guess the challenges is um operationalizing and finding people of like mind who also want to be involved and what are the right channels for that i mean maybe the podcast because of its viewership will garner other people emailing me you promised i'll be famous so perhaps i'll get more uh submissions <laughs> that way and my email can be found on the website well, I hope so. That would make me happy if it did. And how about you, Lee? So one of the challenges was this, we started this going right into the lockdown with COVID and everything going online. So one of the things I teach at Quatlin is field trips for ecology. And my first thought was, well, I can't teach a field trip online. Like, what are you talking about? Like, how can the screen compare with the forest or the river? I can't. Um, so that so that took a little bit to get over, and it was actually the teaching and learning commons, the level up training with uh, Leanne Waddington and uh, Lisa Gadak, where they show this image, and the very brief version is it's, it's transitioning to online, and you're sort of on you're on the land initially, but as you get deeper and deeper, eventually you're like right under the water in scuba gear, and the the focus of the image or the infographic was like if you're going to put things online, you can't just sort of paste it up on there. You want to completely reimagine what it looks like, and so then I got excited. It's like okay. Now that these boundaries are sort of dissolved due to our situation, what can we now create that we maybe wasn't possible before? Um, and so, so it, but that that was a struggle to get my mind to shift to like, okay, we got to do it differently. Um, but then get to the exciting place, and then our excitement, Amy Hustis and Carson Kievers and I's, um, and then translated to the students. Um, and then being outside, then I think was so great for a lot of people. And it was summertime. We're going to do it this summer again. Um, so really excited to do the, this this ecology and color warming just great again this summer. Something might do differently. I mean, still going to have the outside focus, I think, because that was really powerful and I think really helpful for um, a, 
learners and for instructors. I have my spot right over there. I haven't mowed it down in a year. It's still there in my lawn. <laughs> um, but using PebblePad, again, the Teaching Learning Commons has this training that I've just finished or just completing now, um, and have students put their things in there. So instead of me getting all these little bits of drawings and photographs and watercolor paintings and detailed species um, write-ups, etc., is that they can put it all in there on PebblePad or, or I can give them the choice of WordPress. And then it would all be in one spot for me, that's easier. But for them, for the student, they can decide at the end, hey, look, this is what I did, you know, over these four to five weeks. And if they want, they can then share it with a, a wider audience. So I think that would be uh, a great uh, option for the students to have. Yeah, Lee, I absolutely love PebblePad. It's, um, it's such a great uh, medium for students to use because it's uh, simple and fast to learn and it's also very intuitive. And you can just bring all different kinds of media into it. And so if you're taking photos on your phone or you're doing sketches in a book, you can just throw it all into PebblePad along with text and graphics and, and graphs and all of that stuff. It's a perfect place for science and art to come together. So I, I think it's, um, it's awesome that you were using PebblePad. I've used WordPress as well and I also love WordPress, but they're, they're two different animals. And for what you were doing, it sounds like PebblePad would have been a better, a better choice for you. If, if I was a student, I would probably choose PebblePad. Um, such a great idea. It's, they both sound like such amazing projects. So I think maybe we'll um, we'll call it a day. Let's let's maybe uh, let's wrap this up. It's so great talking with you both. Thank you for being guests on Beyond the Chalkboard, um, Erica. I'm going to be really excited to see the outcome of your project, and um, uh, eventually when it's up and running, we'll have to link it to the site where we're hosting the webisode and the podcast. And um, and Lee, I'm hoping that maybe you have some stuff that we can um, that maybe we can link to on our site. I don't know if any of it exists online, but uh, I, I can't wait to see some of what you did as well. They both sound like amazing projects, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for your interest. Thanks, Gordon. Okay, well, a few more months of COVID teaching, and then we get back to the classroom. So uh, have a great summer, and um, thanks again. Defining principles of practice in the 21. KBU, TLC, making learning fun. Vision 2023 is our vision. Is our vision. Chuck Moore, making tech a mission. Moodle and Calchura working while you type. Using tech to change your world is more profound than hype. Expand the learner's mind until the future gives us power. Learn how people use that tech. I'll show you in an hour. Be on the chalkboard, moving towards a better way to teach you learn to be. Be on the chalkboard, moving towards a better world. The stars of the TLC. Walla Bali Technic University. Teaching